Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this really special edition of Frame and Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on this podcast, we love to amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. I am super excited today to introduce to you a friend of mine who now resides in Alabama, Emily Wallace Chuck. Now you're going to detect my Southern accent probably more than normal because it comes out when I talk to fellow Southerners. So Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan. I am delighted to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. You bet. You bet. So I love every one of our phone conversations and I kind of wish um, you know, there was a secret bug in our room filming our, our, or recording, I should say, not filming, but recording our other conversations because we have fun talk. We do. We, we really do. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I love it. I'm, I know. It's a lot of fun. We've really gotten to know each other well the past few months, and you've been such a great resource for me. And it's, it's been fun just really expanding my professional network and getting to know you and a little bit about your history, you know, in Louisiana and the South and now all the way to the West Coast and South San Francisco. And, you know, I lived in San Francisco for five years and from 2000 to 05 and um, love the Bay Area. So it's always a treat for me to get to talk with you and hear about what you're doing, you know, professionally and then also per personally um, in South San Francisco. Well, that is super sweet. I love all the overlap that we have in our life histories and in our, you know, I mean, you're funny. I think I'm funny. I think you're funny too. I, this is, you know, a match made in heaven. So this podcast, my friend, is all about you. So let's get to know you better. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself beyond the amazing fact that you happen to live where I live now and now you live in Alabama? Absolutely. So my name is Emily Wallace-Chuck. I am a legal marketing professional. Um, I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and I am from the South, um, grew up in Alabama and Southern Alabama, went to school here, then moved to San Francisco for five years, where literally I slept on the couch of somebody's little teeny studio apartment in Berkeley, California for about five weeks while I looked for a job and I landed in the publishing industry. I had studied communications um, and writing at the University of Alabama, so was excited to work for a publishing company where I got to hone my skills in writing, communications, and marketing, and really got to know just the business climate of the San Francisco Bay Area. So I took that experience when I moved back to Alabama, decided to head home. And um, of course, the publishing industry was really changing in 2005 nationally, but also in Birmingham, which was home to Time, Inc., um, Time Inc.'s Southern Living Division. So Southern Living, um, you know, was born in Birmingham and had been around for many, many years, but they began laying off people in 2005, 06, and probably a little bit before that as well. So the market was really flooded with people um, in the, you know, with writing experience. So I was working part-time at a little magazine called Executive Traveler Magazine which was geared toward um, business executives who travel, you know, high-end travel. Yeah. And during that time, I was networking and just really trying to reinvent myself, Susan. Like, what am I going to do with this communications background of mine? And, you know, I could just see the writing on the wall for magazines. So 
just through meeting all sorts of really remarkable people in Birmingham who showed a lot of grace and introduced me to the people they, they knew in the business community. I was able to interview at a law firm, um, a Birmingham law firm that is now a regional firm. And then lo and behold, I entered the world of legal marketing. And so I have been doing that now for 14 years. Let me ask you to back up just a second. I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm very fascinated by the way you began. Um, you know, publishing houses are struggling, but I, look, just like old newspapers, like what I wouldn't give to have worked at the Washington Post or at an old publishing house. Um, you know, I'm still a bibliophile. I love real books. You know, I like to dog ear the pages, mm -hmm. take notes. Um, underline I, yes yes I end up underlining almost everything in a good book but um, yeah what was that like to come from you know I don't know how old you are but to come from the south and you know the Bay Area is pretty fast-paced even for me and I've been around a while here um, what was that like were you at all scared and did you know anybody out here and what made you do that well, I have an aunt who lives in San Mateo, which is, you know, oh, gotcha. south of you. Yes. So I had been out there several times and I just knew that I wanted to live in a bigger city. I wanted to explore another part of the country. And so San Francisco just seemed like a, I guess, an easy transition for, yeah. I guess is one way you could put it, just because I had a family member out there. I wouldn't say that I was very familiar with the Bay Area, but um I knew that I liked the city. So just um, a friend of a friend said, hey, you can crash here on our couch. And so I, I did that. that. I know, very it's so funny. Here. They really are, they really are. And um, of course, just, you know, Berkeley is such a unique city and has so much <laughs> history in it. So, you know, I was a little 25 year old and I thought, wow, this is amazing, you know. So, so interesting with so many different characters just on the street and, you know, talk about bibliophile, all of the used bookstores and everything that that city has to offer. So I don't think it was really has, frightening. Yeah, it definitely it has charm and it has character. Mm -hmm. I will say um, it has become a little and, and look, y'all, you know, I'm honest. I love where I live, but it, it has become filthy. It's just really dirty. Um, yeah. The homeless problem is out of control. And, and look, I'm a liberal to moderate, and it's mostly the liberals who are, you know, crying to leave people out on the streets. And I don't think that helps anyone. This is not a political podcast, so I won't go there. But I think that Berkeley could have all the charms of yesteryear if they would just clean up their act and do something more for the homeless. Those charming bookstores are still there if they've survived the COVID crisis, I'll tell you that. Um, I also think that um, the fact that you had an opportunity to live in such a you know, history and magical, I mean, it's very magical there. I mean, Berkeley Hills and, and you know, some of those areas, Nobel laureates are walking the street and you know, it's, it's just incredible the the smartest people in the world are just sitting next to you at the coffee shop right so good that you got to experience probably before the biggest homeless problems um you know the big homeless problems that we're having now 
Um, right. And I've read about those. So fortunately, I've, I've missed a lot of that. Um, but you're right. You know, just like the brain trust in Berkeley and the surrounding Bay Area counties, yes. it's just really remarkable. It's very inspiring. And you're, you just really don't know who you're going to stumble into and what kind of conversation you're going to strike up with people at a coffee shop or a bookstore um, or even just on the BART, you know, community, commuting into yes. the city. So it was, it was a great time in my life. So I was there for two years and then moved into San Francisco for three years. And, um, you know, the publishing company that I worked for, they had a contract with the Chamber of Com Commerce in San Francisco. So oh, nice. we developed, yeah, we developed business, I guess, business, business guides for the chamber. So we created a hard book about life sciences and I actually did get to interview some Nobel laureates. And that was really neat just to put together a book that celebrated, you know, the biotechnology industry um, of the Bay Area. We did one on architecture and a few other things. So it was a really, it was a really neat experience for me. Well, you need to get back out here because I'm going to tell you, we now are in South San Francisco, the world's largest biotech cluster with 250 biotech companies in my backyard. Oh my goodness. That yeah. is amazing. That yeah. is a huge number for yeah and it's beautiful wow. i mean they they've developed these gorgeous campuses on the water and they they spend their money here and they help our economy mightily um they've built labs at the local schools and they're teaching um kids how to work in industries that serve the biotech if you don't want to become a phd or uh, go mm -hmm. into that work you still can um serve in the peripheral industries, right? So they've been very good to the community here. I would I would give a huge shout out to the biotech industry um, and thank them for all they do for this community. But you should come visit the guest room. I would love to have you and your family out here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Maybe once this pandemic lets up, we could do that. Yeah, I'm like, I have been very, um, I'm a Pollyanna, so I live, in a happy place and I'm very positive. And when something finally gets me down, it's a big deal. And this morning I saw the news report about the strand that had not been detected prior, um, that's now in the UK. And did you right. hear about that? Oh my God. I did, God. I read it this morning. Yeah, so scary. I'm like, no way, nothing like kicking somebody when they're down, right? So yeah. Um, I'm trying to stay positive. I, I know, Emily, this is all we can do, right? Is just be grateful for each moment that we have. And that you are absolutely right. And thankfully we have these two vaccines that are being rolled out as we speak. Um, my sister is a physician who's been treating COVID patients here in Birmingham. And she received her vaccination last week, which we were very thankful wow. for. And yeah, so you know, in the coming months, we'll just see kind of what happens here, you know, in our country with, with the pandemic. And hopefully we can get back to some well, sort of normal life by the yeah, second or third quarter. For me. Thank her for being on the phone. Oh, absolutely. Line. Yeah. You know, Definitely. Birmingham has a huge medical community. Um, it really I, does. I didn't realize that. I had, I had relatives in Homewood and I, I went to visit them and I was blown away by by um, the, the huge medical community there. I think that's wonderful. So 
Good for your sister and thank her so much. She puts her life at risk every day and I'm glad she got the vaccine. So um, I am too. We're so proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let me ask you this. Let's get to where you are now. Legal marketing. I know, look, I did what you did. I was in financial services. So I was in another industry in uh, Marcom before I switched to legal marketing. It was for me very much a leap backwards, if you will, because mm-hmm. legal was very um, not quite as progressive uh, as financial services when it comes to Marcom and Martech and technology and embracing uh, new things. So, how did you feel when you made that leap from um, publishing to uh, legal marketing? Well, it's a whole new world. I mean, I had to get up to speed just on legal, you know, um, the courts, litigation, just some of the terminology and the different practice areas. So for me, it was a pretty steep learning curve, um, but I enjoyed it, you know, just the challenge of figuring out a new industry and really how I could serve that industry and the lawyers with whom I worked, how to elevate their profile and help them deliver excellent client service, develop new business, um, you know, work on their marketing and PR campaigns, which, you know, those really are my favorites, actually, I guess, just because of my communications background. So, you know, lawyers are super smart. They're so intellectually curious. They usually are very witty. Um, So there is fun and challenging to work with them, you know, because they have so, so just so many, so much to give, you know, to the legal community as far as their intellect and um, serving their clients. So it's been a lot of fun. It was a learning curve, but, you know, now I feel very comfortable working in law firms and really enjoy the work that I do. Um, so I've been at three law firms now, Susan, um, one really large regional firm, one smaller regional firm, and then most recently at a litigation boutique. And at two of the firms, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that I developed their business development and marketing teams. So it's it's been fun and rewarding just to build a team from the ground up to really align, you know, the marketing, the BDM teams, to have them align with the firm's strategic plan and to support those efforts to build their business, to elevate the firm profile, to build out industry teams. Um, at this most recent firm, we also started doing client feedback interviews. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it's such an important service that you can offer your clients, you know, and repeatedly it's just, you know, the number one thing that you can do to maintain your clients and then to deliver them better service. And typically as a result of the interviews, you usually find out you know, new lines of business for the law firm. That is so amazing. So um, honestly, uh, so I've been in this industry doing everything you just mentioned for more than 18 years. And I will say that it takes a lot more people to do this than most law firms afford to a department, right? Um, So you're probably wearing many, many hats. Uh, It's not- That's right. I want every lawyer who's listening to know it is not easy. And I, I understand that you're in a position where you're like, hmm, 
is business development sales. I didn't go to law school to sell. And, you know, but the client feedback, let me just tell you, if you're a lawyer and you're listening, the client feedback, I mean, that is so the key to your success because excellent client service is the number one business development tool on the planet. So the fact that you've started doing that, Emily, or incorporating that into your strategy, that's huge and quite progressive. Um, a lot of law firms, the lawyers themselves, and, and certainly the marketing um, folks are afraid to talk to clients and ask a lot of questions and gain feedback. So bravo to you and to your firm for taking that step. That's really great. Um, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you know, I was really delighted when, um, you know, the law firm leaders were open to this suggestion because it is such a valuable tool in gaining insight into your clients, how you can meet their needs, um, just to talk to, you know, your clients about what is it that you're anticipating in the next, you know, six to 12 months, how can we be of service to you and, you know, ask them questions about their business, their industry, um, and then how you can help them, you know, in the legal realm as well. So it can be an effective tool just for information gathering. And then also, also in kind of like, you know, client appreciation to show that client that you appreciate them enough to take the time to fly out there to meet with them and to spend an hour or an hour and a half talking with them. Exactly. And when you ask people questions, they view that as a sign of respect. They see that you care, you want to know more about them, you want to help them prevent or solve problems. I think that's really powerful. Well, let me ask you, we're going to talk about you uh, in particular in this next question. What has been your proudest professional accomplishment? Goodness, Susan, that is a great question. Um, you know, I gave this a little bit of thought earlier today, and I would really say that it's developing the marketing business development teams that I just described. You know, it's so, um, it's just a nice challenge to go into a firm and to build something from the ground up and to really align your team's objectives to support the firm's overall growth strategy. Yeah. Um, there's just something challenging about that and then rewarding when you see your results. So I would say that really, those just doing that is one of my proudest accomplishments. It's been a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's um, just so satisfying to position a law firm so that they are successful and then to partner with the lawyers to help them, you know, you know, just like industry teams, you know, for, I worked really closely with the financial services um, teams at two different law firms, actually. And so that was fun just to get to know that in industry really well, to travel with the attorneys to various client events and industry trade meetings. Um, so there's a lot that you can do in the world of legal marketing. And um, just as a leader of a business development and marketing team, it's just um, been very rewarding. I'm really very thankful. That is so awesome. I I'm so happy for you. I know Birmingham and that area has a number of law firms. Um, so that's really great. Uh, I think that, you know, if they've ever met you, they're lucky to have benefited from what you do and do so well. Let me ask you, did someone inspire you or did you, uh, were you fortunate enough to have a, spin, uh, a, a sponsor or a mentor? You know, I would not say that I've had one mentor, um, someone who I've called on throughout the years. I've really have gained inspiration and guidance 
from my peers in the legal marketing community. I'm very involved with the Legal Marketing Association and in fact serve on the board of directors for the Southeast region. So um, all of the men and women within the organization, um, you know, they just are so forthright with sharing of information and teaching how to do new things. Um, you know, when I was just a young legal marketing professional, you know, it's like, how do I even develop a business development plan for lawyers or practice areas? And so someone in the LMA shared that with me and taught me to do that. So I really um, would say that my mentorship has come from that organization. And of course, you know, you make friends within these organizations. And um, over, the, over the years, you grow in your careers together and just really motivate one another. Um, you know, you can encourage one, encourage one another when you face the challenges of working for lawyers, you know, at a law firm, sometimes it can be tough. So the networking and sharing of ideas um, really, I think, has helped me pave my way in the legal marketing I'm just career. Tell you, it's like group therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it seriously is. Now I can say that because I'm out of that now, but um, I'm very, very good friends with a whole slew of folks in the southeast region and southwest as well. Um, and yeah, you need a place to go to where people will listen with empathy and not judgment. And I think that that is what Legal Marketing Association uh, affords people best and most, right? In my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah so I would I, agree. Yeah, I used to say we need to quit bringing legal marketers to these conferences and get our lawyers to show up so that they can learn and understand and hear and get that other perspective, right? So anyway, you are absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> But then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go open my own two businesses and be successful and lawyers will hire me and pay me. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. But yeah, it's, it's tough on legal marketers oftentimes because, you know, lawyers never learned business. You know, they went to law school, they started a law firm, most of them stayed, you know, have been there all their careers and you know, that they, they don't know how to do a budget. They don't know why they need to. They're, you know, it, it, it's, they just don't understand a lot of the business aspects, especially litigators. Um, but they're very good at what they do, right? So business people can't live, right. right? So everybody has their gifts and everybody has their strengths, weaknesses. And, um, you know, so we got to get to know folks, right? So good listening is a, is a big key to success in your position. You, you definitely have a good, um, you're a good listener. So that's, that's a good thing. Well, let me ask you this. Um, how can we lift other women or support other women in business? I really think um, being of service to other women, offering your skill set and your knowledge and your expertise to help them. Um, and I think, you know, affinity groups and organizations are a great way to do that. Or maybe just somebody who's new to the company or law firm at which you work, just making yourself available and, um, you know, comporting yourself as a, as a role model. We really never know who we're going to impact, do we, Susan? I mean, conversations that you could have in the hallway really can, you know, affect someone. You just really never know. So I think making yourself available um, just to talk with people and to share ideas 
um, really does empower women. It helps us lift one another. Um, you know, just what we were just talking about with the LMA, I think um, just making ourselves available and really being, you know, a confidant, a close friend, um, sharing of our knowledge, just um, being there to support one another and to show our gratitude. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, and so I would encourage women just to get involved in an organization of their choosing, be it professional or perhaps a charitable organization, and to join committees, join leadership positions. If it's something that is passionate for you, you know, if, if you don't have that passion, you won't really be driven to do those um, leadership types of things. But it really, when you join committees and become a leader within organizations, it really puts you in touch with people from across the country. Um, and then even just within different industries, you know, if it's a, a charitable organization or a civic organization, you get to meet all sorts of people and learn from them, you know, what it is that they do in their particular line of work, how they lead. Um, so I really think just being there and um, listening and offering your services and your knowledge really can help women continue to grow and to have success within business. And I think to add to that wonderful remark that you just made, um, allow for people to be different from you or different like you, right? So mm -hmm. um, that's a great saying to say, I'm not different from you, I'm different like you. Um, to, to right. recognize the importance of being inclusive and not just mm -hmm. diversity, but inclusivity. Um, those are goals, right? So we need to think about that. Right. You're very much that woman. You're very open. I know I could call you if I had a question or wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on something I might not be comfortable putting out publicly, which anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that I, that hasn't happened yet in my life. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very open and very transparent and very, you know, what you see is what you get. But if there ever came a day where I had a question that I maybe didn't want to post on social media, I could call you. I feel like I could call a couple of folks that you know and love in the uh, LMA group in Southeast region as well. Um, so good, good people, good, good people. So let me ask you, has there been a challenge or a setback that you experienced that you're willing to share about and how did you overcome it, if so? You know, when I returned to Alabama from California in 2005, um, you know, it, was, it really was tough in some ways. While it was exciting that I had this new opportunity really to take my skill set and recreate myself or really just market myself in a new way with my communications and writing background. Um, you know, it's a little bit daunting. It's a newer city, even though I, I lived here just for a year and a half in high school. Um, it was new to me as an adult. And so um, just trying to find a career, try to job hunt, um, trying to remake myself in some ways. It was daunting. You know, it was definitely a challenge. Um, I really tried to look at it as an opportunity because so many people were forthright in saying, hey, why don't you call this person? Here's another person you should talk to or have you considered this? I was very appreciative of that. But I will say that it, it was a challenge, you know, just trying to um, make my mark in the city of Birmingham and how was I going to do that and be successful? 
Um, so I'm very feel, thankful. I think. Do you go feel, ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you, do you feel mm -hmm. like no, no. California helped you um, or hurt you in your reintegration? Oh, it definitely helped me. I think it, um, you know, I saw the city of Birmingham through new glasses, you know, nice. um, and it just, I think it opened my horizons. I had worked with people of different cultures while out in California and in San Francisco. Um, I was exposed to new ideas, new ways of doing things. And of course I had to grow because it's a, it's a person, you yeah. know, trying to make it on my own in San Francisco. So I would say it definitely, definitely helped me. That's awesome. I feel the same way coming from New Orleans or Louisiana in general and moving to Boston, then going back home to Baton Rouge. Um, I sound like a Garth Brooks song, um, but <laughs> I experienced the same as you. And I, for me, though, however, I will say I don't know that everyone appreciated what I brought from Boston to Baton Rouge, right? They were like, what, mm -hmm. you know, I don't need that. Or I don't know what that is. I don't want to hear anything about that. So I had to go along to get along. And I knew it just wasn't a, a values fit for me. Um, what might've mm -hmm. been a culture fit, you know, wasn't a values fit. So I quickly left again <laughs> and moved several <laughs> other places, but you'll, you'll, you know, people I've, I've stayed in touch. Like people joke and say, I collect people, then I connect people. And this is true. This is true. Oh, I love it. That's a yeah. great thing. Well, let me ask you something. I, I think I know a lot about you because we, we chat and we, we get real, but is there something surprising you'd like to share about yourself with my audience? Sure. So in 11th grade, the second half of my junior year in high school, I moved from a small community in southeastern Alabama to Birmingham. And so, you know, at that point in a teenager's life, that could be a pretty big transition to go from high school to a new high school. But it turned out to be a really positive experience. Um, I enrolled in a magnet school in the city of Birmingham where I was a minority and I had never experienced that before, but um, it was such a positive experience. I loved every minute of it. So my last year and a half of high school um, was at this magnet school in the city of Birmingham, like I said, and I participated, you know, had art classes, soccer. Um, and I had this fantastic English teacher um, who really encouraged me with my writing. And um, she really saw something in me. She invited me to um, participate as a speaker at the opening ceremony of the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Wow. So this is in 1992. Yeah, it was remarkable. So this is in 1992. Um, and the Civil Rights Institute is a, is a really beautiful, a beautiful place. We're very proud of it here in the city. But I was one of two students invited to deliver a speech when the shuttles, I'm sorry, the, the statue honoring Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth was unveiled. So I worked, you know, really hard on the speech, just writing it and then practicing it and revising it. But that was such a, a fantastic experience, um, a very unique experience and of something, something which I am very proud. 
Emily, um, that is a fascinating story. Um, the fact that you were able to experience another perspective, right? So it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, speaks volumes of what we're going on, what's going on and what we're experiencing today. And, ha and, and it's nice to know you recognize your place, right? You used your white privilege to shine a light on where there's inequity in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. and where there should be more equity in the world um, and more equality as well. So I think that's a fascinating story, the fact that you got picked to do that and that, you know, that will forever be in your history. I mean, that that's remarkable at any age, but to be so young and to have experienced that, that's wonderful. Well, thank you. It was really, truly an amazing experience. Um, and, you know, my memories of the high school are, are really, you know, I have such fondness thinking about it. And one thing that really sticks out for me, Susan, is arriving to school in the mornings, you know, we would hear the choir practicing and I can still hear them singing, lift every voice and sing. I mean, it was really just magical. It was like the music was just, you know, floating down through the hallways and we would start our day. Um, and I've probably, you know, just kind of, I can't think of the word, but made it kind of picturesque in my mind, you know, but I really, it really does resonate with me, just what a unique experience it was for me. And they held, they would hold workshops on cross-cultural understanding. So this sense of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion was really something that they focused on. And this was, goodness, you know, in the early 90s, they were teaching us students um, the importance of that and, you know, kind of laying the foundation for that skill set. Um, so it really was a very um, just remarkable high school experience and something for which I'm very, very grateful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So Emily, you know, I have you on my short list. I'm going to think about asking you to come to speak at one of my annual events that I do each year across the country at various big cities. Um, my next one is already fully booked with speakers in Chicago. My, well, my very next one is in April and it'll be virtual. But then the one after that is in Chicago. And the one after that, I believe, is in Philadelphia. But at some point, I want to get you on the stage when we're allowed to be in person again. I would love for you to tell your story. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's very, very kind of you. Well, listen, I think that you are a remarkable add to the legal marketing um, arena and here's why well first of all number of reasons you're articulate you're smart you're open to new ideas you're a critical thinker you're an excellent writer you have great um, public speaking skills but you have business experience right you're business savvy you've traveled you're you have a, a global world view that doesn't always um, come with growing up in a place going to work and or going to school in that same place and then going to work in that same place so I think you're a huge ad. Um, if I, I would probably try to, to, to um, take you away from a law firm if I, if I could <laughs> hire you. Um, so I might even think about that, you know, in my coming year, I have a big strategy I'm about to implement for 2021. So um, I might snatch you up someday, but for the time being, uh, your law firm where you work is very fortunate or any law firm where you, uh, get, you know, pay it forward and share your skills and uh, your, your history of success is very fortunate to have you. So 
Um, thank you. We're very fortunate for having you here on the show today. So thank you for sharing your story. Absolutely, Susan. Thank you so very much for hosting me. This has been just such a treat and I have enjoyed talking with you. I always learn something from you and um, I just am very appreciative. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. We always have fun when we talk. And if people we really overheard do. our conversations, they'd need a they they'd laugh, they'd cry. They <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I hope that you and yours have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Um, and I'm so glad that we had the chance to chat before um, Christmas came around. Me too. Thank you so very much, and I hope you and your son and your hus husband have a great. Um, holiday Christmas week and a good new year and I look forward to talking with you again soon and you will you will that reminds me one quick thing what if people want to reach you Emily can they connect with you on LinkedIn or can they email you or how do they reach you absolutely yeah LinkedIn would be perfect so my LinkedIn profile is at E.B. Wallace and that's W-O-L-O-S-C-H-U-K so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I would be delighted to make the connection. Awesome. Awesome. And folks, you know that I'll put her headshot, her bio, and tons. If you'll send me tons of pictures, Emily, I'll put a gallery Absolutely. in there of pictures that tell your story and visuals, as well as your uh, LinkedIn profile so that they can connect with you. Perfect. All that right. would be great. It's been fun. Have a good day, everybody. And thank you for listening. Take Bye, care. Bye-bye. Bye, Susan.